WednesdayMorningPregame.com. Gil Alexander, your betting dork. Wednesday's mean but one thing here on the show. Love it. It's your Sabermetrics Wednesday. We dig deep with a base winner from the pregame forums. How you doing, base winner? What's happening? Good morning, Gil. I'm doing, doing good. Gosh, I'm just like, I feel like the whole season's transpired in the, in the course of a week between you going pro and all the weird stuff going on. Starting up with a ground ball in Baltimore and a couple walk-off home runs. That's on the wrong side of it. Just seems it seems like you know it's been a full season in a, in a whole week in a week there. Has been a has been a roller coaster of a seven days. Yeah, for I think probably for anyone betting baseball, I would I would imagine everybody's had some ups and downs over the course of the last seven weeks. I should I, I should mention that uh, uh, on a Friday. Friday, last Friday was it was not my first day as a pro; it was my second day as a pro. But um, you know, it was the end of a uh, end of a standard work week. I, of course, uh, am just Im- immersed in pregame stuff twenty four seven. And so, on a Friday evening, my wife says to me, "Hey, let's let's go see a movie." And I figured, you know, it's probably that time of week where I should start paying attention to my wife. <laughs> and she wanted to go see Sex in the City too. So, like the Loyal husband, I'm like, all right, I'll go see Sex in the City too. Problem was, I had a game of the week last Friday night, also, and although I'm one of these guys who I don't necessarily need to see every pitch, I'm very content once I make my play. I have my my conviction, and I'm okay with it. And you know, I'll find out what happens as I find out what happens. But with a game of the week, my first one, I'll admit, I was very curious what the score was during Sex in the City too. So <laughs> you helped me out greatly because. <laughs> I asked you to text me updates during Sex of the City too, and so if you could just picture me in my chair, leading into my phone. You know how the bright light in a theater just is so exaggerated when it comes off the phone to see what the score is. And there you were giving me great updates all through the game. Now it didn't work out. We had a one-run loss, but my wife was so bad at me. She's like, "What are you doing?" Turn off that phone and texting at Sex of the City too. Well, I think she's got to look at the glass half full though, because I mean, <laughs> you went to Sex in the City during your game of the week. That's right. I, mean, I think you got to use that for. I mean, well, women have really long-term memories, but I think that you got to put that in your file, saying, you know, honey, my first game of the week is a pregame pro, and I went to Sex in the City. I, I don't know. To me, that's a lot of brownie points for you, Gil. That's right. Let me let me try that uh, tactic with her. See how far that goes. She'll be like, um. What's a game of the week, Gil? I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> my my wife doesn't get it get it either. She just she she couldn't understand why I was I was moping around on Saturday. She goes, "Well, you, we we've got a whole weekend in front of us. It's Saturday night after the the walk off home run broke a run line, and I got a plus run line with Seattle, oh. and they lost a plus run. Oh, brutal, just a brutal loss." Five percent chance of losing that thing. Yeah, baseball. At that point. Baseball involves certainly involves shaking off some stuff. You know that's for sure. You gotta you gotta put things in uh, in their proper perspective on a much more frequent basis than we would obviously say in football season. So it's it's a uh, it's definitely a mental it's it's a mindset that you have to well, adopt. Well, you gotta look long term, and, and baseball, like you said, it's it's a long season. It's a grind. I mean. It's picking up a unit here, picking up a unit there, and and uh, it's not you know instant gratification. You know we're looking at a, at a huge uh, you know game. I mean in, in football you got 16 games, in baseball you got 10 times that amount. So I think you do have to take a long term uh, uh, viewpoint on it. Absolutely. So you have um, 
your standard, I believe you've got four picks today. You have gone into your lab. You have delved deep into not only conventional stats, but of course, more so, the sabermetric stats to find out the real truth behind these ball games on the board today. And so you've got four plays coming up, correct? Heavy numbers, and I do have four plays that I'll share with everybody. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at, and one of the things last week that I was kind of excited about, because I, kind of, I always consider you a, a good friend, a, a, you know, brother from another mother, as, as they say. As I do and, consider you as well, sir. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of living and dying with you last week. So I think that that kind of, that kind of like, like made the week seem a little bit longer than it was. But I noticed today, and this is, it's exciting to me, that you, you have a, a dorkiest uh, play of the day that you're, that you're introducing. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for asking. I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you living and dying with me. Um, I, first, I should mention that today is June 2nd. Today is the last day of my All-Star package, which means that if you get the All-Star package, it's everything to the All-Star break, everything up until the All-Star break, whether it's, you know, um, you know all my best bets um, and everything included in that for the best price all the way until the All-Star break, so for a fraction of the price, if you will. And I sound so, it, it's, it, this is the first time I've ever, and this will be the only time probably that I ever talk about my own packages and my own prices and that kind of thing, but since you bring it up, I suppose since it's the last day of the All-Star package, I should say this is the last day for that all-star package with all the best bets until uh, July 10th or whatever the date is before they break for the all-star break. So that's up on the uh, bettingdork.com page, my homepage at bettingdork.com. But yes, today is the first day of a different package called Dorky Winners. Um, And that's at bettingdork.com as well. And Dorky Winners is essentially going to be the most sabermetrically heavy-induced play of the day for me. So the best bet is one thing. That's always going to be the best bet of the day. Um, And again, that'll be inclusive in the All-Star package and in my daily best bet play of the day. Um, But the dorky winners is something else. That is something that moving forward is just going to be $1 a day. And again, uh, this is the one that is based the most on metric analysis. And for this first week, you know, a week from now, it's going to be a dollar a day if you want to do it. One dollar for the play. But this week, I'm so pumped to get people on board with the whole sabermetrics movement, if you will. I don't mean to exaggerate what it is that we do, but I really feel like it is a movement because we're really here on the pioneering edge. We're, we're ahead of the curve on converting sabermetric analysis into a handicapping edge, as we affectionately call it, saber capping. And that pick for this week, I'm going to give all the daily dorky winners for the next seven days for $1. So that's what the dorky winners package is for this week. $1 for the week of dorky winner plays, and then thereafter it's only going to be a dollar a day anyway. So that, that's an incredible prize for that, Gil. I mean, that's—I mean, how, how much better can it get? It can't get much better, I guess, in terms of if, if you're going to charge anything. And again, I, this is—it is uncomfortable because this sort of sounds very touty, and, and I—that's the last thing in the world I want to be. Um, we don't ever talk about the packages on the podcast, but 
since it is the last day of the all-star package and the first day of the dorky winners and you brought it up i figure it absolutely is worth uh you know bringing up so i'm very excited about that long story short base winner which is you know i got the base the the best bet thing going and then the nod to the saber metrics it really just ensures that no stone will be left unturned on a daily basis so i'm very pumped about it well i'm pumped about it too and you get a really good point um that you know these numbers these saber metrics that we're using to handicap you know, I know maybe in two, three years, you know, you're going to hear people on the radio talking about X, you know, expected fielding independent, you know, and base runs and estimated runs. But, you know, at least, to, and, I, and I hear this all the time, I'm listening to the Angels-Seattle game on Sunday, and the guys are talking about ERA. And it just, to me, is just such a, a number that has so much static in it that, you know, I, I think that, that it's a very public number, I guess is my point, and it's a number that people that are going to be listening to, you know, the thousands of people that are listening to the to the Angels broadcast, they're going to be, oh yeah, this guy's ERA's, you know, gone down, or you know, he's good because of because of his batting average and stuff. And you know, I think that we've pointed out on our show that these numbers, while maybe they had a purpose in 1970 or 1980, you know, the the, the advanced metrics that these GMs have been using to build, you know, wonderful teams like a Billy Bean, you know, these are better numbers, and these are the numbers you know, that we should be using in, in handicapping. So to me, you know, the play that's very sabermetric that you're going to introduce, that's very interesting to me. Yeah, and, and I you make a great point just about, you know, I talk about obviously our purposes are for, you know, getting that betting edge because these sabermetrics are not built in to the betting lines these days. They're simply not. But you make a, a good point, which is an even broader point about, yeah, when we're watching baseball on a daily basis, and we all do, um, who, who bet baseball, when you do listen to these announcers casually across the nation, you know, around the league, it is amusing to me sometimes at just, you know, these guys have jobs in baseball. So you would think that they would make it their sort of task to become more hip to certain things. And it's funny how you're right. They they still really do rely on conventional statistics. Take take it beyond baseball. I watch Pardon the Interruption on ESPN every day, just something I TiVo every day. And Tony Kornheiser, to this day, I mean, you put a gun to his head, he will tell you wins and losses is the single most important thing about pitchers. Period. End of story. And I listen to him every time and out loud, audibly, you know, I'm 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 by myself in the apartment and I'm just like, What what are you saying, dude? Jesus. You know, it's like, and, and he's just convinced of it. It's old school. It's totally old school. And it's very old school, and it doesn't make sense from a from a how many runs are, are these teams going to score. I mean, you, you on your show have said, well, these guys have had, you know, certain guys have had certain run support. And so, like, to say one guy that's 8-2 and another guy that's 8-2, well, there's, there's a whole different path that, that they could have taken to get to that point. And, uh, you know, again, you know, we want to break it down to runs, because with the runs, you can have the probability. So I'm totally with you. But, I mean, you know, I'll take it. When, when, when I'm watching MLB Network and they're going over the matchups and they're showing ERA, and I see a guy, and I'll bring this up here with this uh, of, you know, total that I have, they have an ERA of X where the, where the you know, expected fielding independent is this, you know, and there's a big disparity there. I mean, this is what the public's seeing, and this is what the public's betting. So we're just getting an edge, and I, I mean, I hope they continue to do that for you know four or five years. I, I definitely think that they'll they'll change at some point, 
But for now, I think that we have a, a you know decided edge with the sabermetrics. Yeah, and that's what makes it exciting because we really you know this is this is uh, something that is ahead of the curve. And and by the way, base winner, it's also you know it, it's also um, something that I'm well aware of that there are those who would snicker at us as well. You know, it's it's just like the book Moneyball would say. You know, the old school scouts or even those that you know, handicap, there are those that would snicker our methods in doing so. And that's fine, too. <laughs> you know, that's perfectly fine. We all have our different methods. Um, we like ours. Just let's put it that way, sort of thing, you know. And ours yeah, works. They make, they make mathematical and scientific sense. Absolutely yeah, right. So I'd rather be on that side, personally. Absolutely right. And so, you know, to that end, that's why, you know, we do what we do. And so... Very excited about the package, and very excited to hear what you're thinking today, sir. Well, I'm I'm excited to, to give out the plays because this this one play that I'm going to go over kind of you know is a really good example of, of what numbers people are seeing and what numbers really should be. And it's, I'm going to go over to Tampa Bay and Toronto, and I'm looking at this pitching matchup and. We got Price versus Markham, and and I don't think anybody can can question they're, they're they've been very successful this year. But we look at at a David Price ERA, which is two point five seven, and then we look at his ex- expected fielding independent, which is a four point two seven. You got a a whole run and a half difference there. And I mean, I think that's pretty significant. And then if you look at a Markham. While he's been a 2.59 ERA, his expected fielding independent is 3.77. Sure, that's very good as well. But they put a line out here. The, the, the total has been put out at 7.5. And, and I have the, I have the game almost a run higher at 8.73. And part of that is, too, this Toronto offense has just been phenomenal. Uh, I have them with a, with a run rating in this game at a 4.9. While Tampa Bay, they've been pretty good too. They, I have them at a 4.75, and that goes back to last year's sample too. I try to hybrid the numbers, uh, you know, the offensive numbers. And one of the things that concerned me when I when I wanted to go over on this game was was Toronto's uh, they versus lefties. They have not been very good, you know, from a run standpoint. Uh, they, they're only at 3.14, but they only have an 11 game sample, so. I looked back last year, and sure enough, they're at 4.84. So, I mean, I feel a lot better going over because I think they're more of a 4.84 uh, versus left than they are a 3.14. So, anyway, they, I, the, the first play of the day, and, and this is this is a total sabermetric play, is over in the Toronto game, over 7.5. And, and that is definitely the marquee pitching matchup of the slate of games today. Uh, Price for the Rays at Markham uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, could be a a great great baseball game to watch. And I should say that in that uh, in your analysis right there, you mentioned that you also looked at BSR figures, correct? And I, I did. Uh huh. And and uh, uh, the the Blue Jays they're at a they're at a four nine in this game. I have them rated at a four nine in this game, and their offense has been been very very good. I just wanted to point out to folks because I do get questions on my daily thread about BSR because I do my best to try to explain FIP, 
um, BABIP, whatever, you know, XFIP, whatever I have to explain. When it comes to BSR, people are asking me, well, where do I see those? And I always say to them, I go, you know, that's the one metric that you can't find anywhere else. And I always say, you know, Base Winner, who's on my show Wednesdays, he does his own BSR analysis. You have your own formula. You do that in-house. Yeah, I mean, I, I crunch it down and, and I split it down. And, and I think that they're really good numbers. Uh, the reason I started doing this is because I just could not find a number that I was comfortable with. I know the, there are sites that have the pitching numbers broken down and the bullpen numbers broken down. But I couldn't get these. I could not get this the offensive numbers the way that I wanted them. And I think that offense is as important as defense because, you know, that's the one other side of the game. That's right. And you post them, would you say, every every time a new series starts in the American League? I, I, tr- I try to, and I usually am successful, I try to get them all updated when every series changes. Okay. And this way I think that, uh, you know, you're getting a, you know, a pretty up-to-date figure. And, and, and you're okay if it's, if it's not a daily up-to-date figure, because again, we got to look at sample size, and so these numbers, you got to kind of blend them with last year's numbers. And I'm working on a five-year sample, and that those are going to be cool when I'm done with that. But uh, I put it up every every three days, and I think they're good numbers to use, especially if you're if you're a totals player. Cool. Well, I, I totally look forward to them. I have to tell you. I mean, you have your daily thread, but when you put out your uh, your BSR post. Um, you know, when the new series are sort of uh, starting up throughout the American League, I always look forward to seeing uh, what you come up with. So just a just a shout to your uh, daily threads there, um, base winner. I appreciate it, Gil, and, and it's my pleasure, and I hope, I hope it helps people out because I think these numbers are, are a little bit more precise than the actual run score numbers, which, you know, we've talked about before. I have a little bit of static in them. Yeah, and, I, and you know, BSR to me is always, I, I sort of, I'm always amused by BSR because in the end, we're betting one thing and one thing alone. We're betting how many players cross home plate. You know, in the end, it really can be distilled to that to that one item. So it's such a key stat, obviously. You know, when we're doing our capping. But you so so over. In other words, uh, with a healthy assist from BSR over in the Toronto uh, Tampa Bay game tonight at the Rogers Center in Toronto. That is my first play, and then. The next play I'm going to go to, just a, just a quick note, I thought today's lines were really tight, but, uh, you know, there's actually there's a little bit of value in here. Uh, the next game I'm going to go to is, is in Kansas City, and I'm looking at, at going with Los Angeles in this game, and the, the line posted is, is the Angels are favored at 107, minus 107. I have them at minus 121, so I think we're looking at a little bit of value there. And my primary reason for this is I, I took a look at Scott Casimir's uh, expected fielding independence, and it seems like every year he has started off, well, not very good, and then he, he seems to round it down right around June and then going, going forward. I think we might be looking, and there's some ancillary things that I've looked at as well, I think we might be looking at a situation where he's going to have a couple breakout performances. And I think right now, uh, you know, this is a good opportunity for him. He's, he's going against a, a team that, you know, they've hit a little bit better, but I still have him about a, about a, about just a, an average, maybe a bit above average lineup. I think, I think Casimir's going to get it done today. So I have him at, at, uh, at minus 20, 121 and, uh, 
he's showing at one, minus 107 uh, on the books. That is a very, um, it's an interesting series to talk about, the Angels and the Royals, that is, um, because I've noticed a lot on the pregame forum threads that a lot of people have opinions on these Angels-Royals games. And I'm, I'll, I'll say this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, it, it, you and I, every person has a different handicapping process. You may even be more sabermetric-y than I am. But one of the things that I do in my process is I don't go straight into sabermetrics, and I'm not saying that you do either, but one of, one of, part of my process is I sort of look at ball games from an eye standpoint first, and then if something clicks with me on that sort of first wave of, of thought and analysis, then I'll dive deeper, then still deeper, then still deeper until I have my plays of the day, and the sabermetrics are somewhere deep into that process. But of course... I rely on them heavily uh, once I get there. But this Angels-Royals series for me is one of those that I don't get very deep on uh, in any of the days uh, up until now. It's just one of those, you know, they're, they're just such volatile, unpredictable clubs. And so I'm always fascinated when, you know, there's a series like this and I see a lot of chatter about them and, I, and, I, and I'm always like, wow, I, I wonder... Like, what am I not seeing? You know, maybe it's me. Maybe people say it. So that you have a play on the Angels here is, is interesting to me because you see something that I, I did not in my, in my process. Well, and this is my long-term take on the Angels. And I, th- I talked about this uh, before the season started, and people were saying, well, they're going to lose Guerrero, and they've gotten rid of Figgins. And so I kind of looked at their lineup, and it looked to me like it was the same. Now, they've lost Morales, who hurt himself celebrating at home play. Which, Good Lord. Which, isn't that just ridiculous? Ugh. And uh, I was just crazy. So, and so I, I look at this team and I, I see it, you know, they're, they were really balanced last year and a lot of those pieces are back and they've got Matt Suey, which, you know, you could argue, you know, is just as good or better than Vlad. So I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a team that was, that was over a five run scored, uh, expected run scored last year at 5.1, and I'm looking at their, their 4.08 this year, and I, I just, I don't believe this, this team's a 4.08 BSR. So I've given them a 4.6, which is kind of a hybrid between them, uh, the, the, the 09 numbers and the 10 numbers. And I'm looking at Kansas City, and, you know, Kansas City is a 4.5 this year. They were a 4.2 last year. Uh, they seem about the same, and and so I'm giving them a 4-4. So that's kind of where the value is. I mean, I've got offensive value, you know, using those numbers with L.A., and then I'm just not a huge fan of Davies. And while I said Kazmir, I guess it's Kazmir how, how people uh, pronounce it, but as he rounds into form towards the end of the season, Davies is a guy looking at his numbers where he starts off, you know, better than he normally is, and he just gets worse as the season goes. So I think this is kind of a situation where, Davies is going to be regressing as the season goes on. Casper is going to be progressing, and I think that this is where it crosses today. Okay. So pick one over in the Toronto-Tampa Bay game at 7.5, and and then pick number two, you like the Angels, uh, on the money line against the Royals. All right. Duly noted, sir. Got to go back east now. I was going to try to go east to west. We'll go west. We'll go back east. Looking at this Boston-Oakland game, and I like the under in this game, and it (laughs) – Anytime I play the under in in, uh, in Fenway Park, I just I gotta like look at the numbers twice because that 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 parks the pinball machine. But I just I have almost a run value and a value here that the line the the number the over under is put put out at nine and a half. 
and I'm showing an 863, you know, primarily on the strength of, uh, I think Ben Sheets, you know, giving him a 4-5 is, is, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of sliding him a little bit the way he's been pitching. And, and Dice Gate, you know, all the projections and all the ancillary numbers, you know, he's, he's showing a 4-3-5 this year. So, you know, combine that with Oakland's really kind of anemic offense. And if you look at last year, they were at 4.33. This year, they're at 3.8. Now, I don't think there's any question if you put a, a 4.2 on them, that's a fair assessment of their, of their offensive talent. I'm showing 8.63 runs here. So let me ask you a question, as a as because you and I are, are are sabermetrics guys, obviously, and so Dice K brings up a sort of interesting question that I would have of you, since we rely so heavily on statistical minutia. Sheets, uh, I'll just take this ball game because you you bring it up. Sheets, as you point out, been very consistent of late. He's actually been really really good uh, in his last three or four outings. Dice K is one of these guys where I sort of point to then, uh, in contrast, where I say to you, as a, as a guy who jumps into the lab and just digs deep, how do, I mean, in other words, we're talking about averages uh, when we talk about any kinds of numbers, you know, whatever they may be. With a guy like Dice K, he's just so volatile and unpredictable this year. I mean, I'm sure the Red Sox, as an organization, are like, what, what can we figure this guy out at this point? I mean, one day he's out there, he's Cy Young, and the next day, you know, he's the worst pitcher who's ever gotten to the big leagues, even if it is just an inning that explodes on him or whatever. So how do you how do you fact do you factor that in? I guess is what I'm asking. Well, well, you know, Geis is an interesting guy, and he's he's a, he's a puzzle that I've been trying to figure out for three or four years. And it used to be that his his expected fielding independent would always be above his his ERA because he'd walk so many guys, and then he'd he'd be like Mr. Houdini. So, so you would see an expected fielding independent that would be way higher than his actual ERA. So I was like betting against him all the time. And then watching these games, it almost looks like the guy really, it's, it's, he has command. He just wants to paint the corners, and he'll put himself in that position. So I think Dice K is a situation where you've got to look at the sabermetrics, but you also got to look at how the sabermetrics were developed because he's the type of guy that, okay, if there's a guy on first base, he doesn't care. He'll, he'll, he'll still pitch around the next guy. He's got a plan when he goes up there. I think his, his, his control is actually a little bit better than his, like, let's look at his, his base on balls per nine, which is, you know, always been high. Last year, it was, it was, it was a 4 five, 5 You know, this year, he's at a 5 5, five. You know, he's always, always around that 5 base on balls per nine, which is a high level. But, I mean, I could argue with anybody that I think that, this, that he's in control when he's out there. And he just chooses to paint and pitch around guys a lot of the time. So you're you're hoping for the uh, the good dice K anyway, or or the one that is more. Uh, let's put it this way: the one that's the better version of dice K than in some outings we've seen this year. Because well, you, you know, it's interesting. I'm looking at at a lot of the projections from a lot of the, the sabermetric sites, and they have him down this year to about a four three, and and that's kind of the average that I that I looked like and. And looked at, and and I'm looking at you know some of the other scouting reports on the guy, and I'm I'm thinking the guy's about a four three five right now, so that's what I used, and you know maybe he'll be maybe he'll frustrate me and put a bunch of guys on, and 
some guy will get a lucky hit, but I, I think that he's in control right now. <laughs> I think we should uh, offer a service at pregame where we get to watch people watching games they've bet on. That would, that would be a fabulous thing. Like I would be interested in watching you watch that game because I would just, I would just be so entertained by the ups and downs of you watching Dice Gay. <laughs> it, it's cra- it's crazy watching these games sometimes because you're talk you're talking to the TV and you're. Uh, your, your wife says, I don't know about you, but my wife's like, who are you talking to, dude? You know? I'm so, dude, I'm so calm. It, it's, un- I mean, like, I, the good, the bad, well, that's just, the good I get, I, I may have a fist bump or I may be like, or I may not, or I may do something like that. The bad, I'm just, I'm very zen about. Um, unless something that is just completely out of bounds. Like last night, for instance, like the, uh, the Phillies and the Braves. I mean, they were, pay- they were playing in a tsunami. You know, and they let it go just long enough for Cole Hamels to, you know, in, in a driving downpour. I mean, now that's the kind of stuff I'll react to. I'll just be like, oh, yeah, of course. Oh, now, how about, how about now you call the game? Yeah, sure. We'll never see Hamels again. You know, that kind of stuff. I'll, I'll uh, say something audibly. But in general, well, I'm, no, I'm I mean, sort of calm. That's a frustrating situation last night. Why even start the game in a, in a downpour like that? It almost makes you think they had it out for the Phillies in that one. I don't know. The conspiracy theory. Anyway, yeah. So uh, you know, but I just think that would be funny to watch people because most because most people it's so it's so amusing to see. I get I get emotional. I was very emotional on the, uh, the Seattle game on Sunday when I, there was two pitches that were gone to get me started on the umpires, but two pitches that were in the strike zone that were called balls, and I just I I think that it was just it's very unjust what's going on with the strike zone here. You see what happened. I mean, this isn't a strike zone issue, but you saw what happened with the uh, Tampa Bay Toronto game last night where uh, the home plate umpire and I. And, uh, was it Lazaro Diaz? It was Angel Hernandez. Angel actually. Hernandez, yeah, who who did not grant Carlos Pena time, and what ended up happening was a strike three that sort of went by him as he, you know, sort of in desperation tried to wave his bat at the ball. But but essentially, it was an umpire abiding by the league wide directive of having the game move along, and he decided not to grant Pena timeout in a very tight late inning situation and the Rays just exploded and I would say justifiably so against him. Well, I, I didn't see the play. I was listening to it on the radio. Of course I'm listening to the Toronto guys, so they kinda downplayed it. But I, I think that it brings up a good point. I think these umpires are way too involved in the game and then we saw it with Joe West with the box last week and you know, Burley getting kicked out of the game and I mean I don't know. I think that with all the money that's involved in these sports, they really need to take a look at it. And the NFL does a good job with the competition committee. I don't, I don't, I don't think Major League Baseball, I think they're missing it. I think with the technology that we have available, there's so many different things. Like, I mean, the thing that happened in Minnesota with the fair foul ball that they called last year in the playoffs, I mean, that's just a black eye of the game, if you ask me. Oh, you're talking about the, uh, the Joe Maurer shot down the left field line at Yankee Stadium? It's, well, I, yeah, where the, they called the ball fair, they called the ball foul, and it was obviously a fair ball. Believe me, yeah, I, I, mean, I remember it well because I had the Twins that day. Yeah, oh. It, I had the Twins too, so that's why I remember it. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was ridiculous. And you know what? Not enough got made about that play, quite frankly. Like, I couldn't believe they sort of, you know, they, they brought it up a couple times afterwards, but I'm like, really? I mean... That ball was three feet in play, and the umpire flat out misses it at Yankee Stadium. And they just sort of, you know, well, well they missed a call. No, that was egregious beyond belief. Anyway, that's a play that happened in the playoffs well, last year. I mean, it's terrible with the technology. You know, they use it in tennis where they have the line superimposed with a computer, and if it's out, it's out, and if it's in, it's in. 
and they could do that in baseball. They just, I think they, I don't know why they choose not to, but but like you said, to me, what what's interesting is is more of a big deal is not made of it, uh, you know. So I'd like, to, I mean, that's something that I'd like to, I'd like to see the, the strikes and be automated. I, I don't see a reason why it can't be. Well, that'll never happen. The umpires' union will never let that part change. I'm sure. Postscript to the Toronto-Tampa game last night, obviously, is that the Jays, or excuse me, I should say, the Rays did come back anyway after Joe Madden had been ejected, and they came back because. Cito Gaston was kind enough to put Kevin Gregg in the ball game, so in the end, it didn't matter for the uh, for the Rays. But um, yeah, that's I agree. Uh, Kevin Gregg's a circus. I think that we've both been hit by his inability to to uh, to close out games. You know, over the last two weeks, just. He, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a roller coaster when that guy gets in the game. Yeah, I mean, neither of us were on this game last night, but yes, we both have been tagged by it in the past. And, and Greg ended up getting himself thrown out of the game also, so yeah. But umps, to your point, umps really are way too involved. They really, you do get the sense where you're like, wow, these guys have quite the egos, don't they? They do, and you know, Ozzie Guillen, and he, he's he's very outspoken, and you can you can like what he says some of the times, and some of the times you don't like what he says. But he made a good point. He goes, well, "People aren't going to the games to watch the umpire; they're going to the games to watch the guys play ball." And I think that you you just bring it up. These guys have such egos that I don't think they they really like that that, that they're not the focus of attention. And it's just, it's, a, it's unfortunate, and, and it's unfortunate that Major League Baseball hasn't stepped in and said, "We have all these tools available to us." Let's use them. Yeah, we know how that goes. Again, it gets back to the whole thing about you know adopting sabermetrics for for handicapping. People are slow to just adjust on anything. That's a human nature. Yeah, you know? baseball's really bad about it, but that's the way it goes, I guess. Brutal. All right. Well, your pick so far. Uh, once again, recapping here: Toronto and uh, Tampa Bay. You like the over in that game at seven and a half. You like the Angels side against the Royals, and you like the under at Fenway Park. Um, Sheets and Dice K, I believe that number's at uh, 9.5. Is that correct? Yes? Got it at 9.5 right now. So almost a full run. My my model says almost a full run less. Okay. Uh, that looks like a pretty good value on that one. What's pick number four, my friend? Well, we will go to the late, late game in Seattle. And, I mean, as much as I like Cliff Lee, I don't think that in this run environment that 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 Seattle should be favored the way they're being favored and they're they're showing minus 154 and I have a game more of a minus 129 but even even more so the the run line to me is very interesting because you can get Minnesota plus a run and a half at minus at minus 154 uh, and my model says that the plus one and a half runs, they should be right about minus 190. So I think that in a, in a low-scoring environment and, and Lee's a good pitcher and Slowey's a good pitcher and Seattle, Seattle, you know, there's not going to be probably a lot of run score. I'm showing 7-7-4 seven, seven, on my run model and the, the line's up at 7. I think we got pretty good value on this run line, you know, with Minnesota getting a run and a half, and that's going to be my final play of the day. We're going to go Minnesota plus one and a half, minus 154. And I'd play it up to uh, almost to minus 165 if you, can, if you can get that. I love that. So you have, a, uh, you have a couple totals, you have a money line, and now you got a run line today. I like it. Minnesota. A variety. And, yeah, Minnesota plus one. And next thing you know, you'll be breaking out the five-inning plays. Or the team total. That's, that's done on free game. The guy that does the team totals, he's, he's having a good year. Oh, yeah. He's a big team. Who, and, and forgive me, who who does – I, I know it's I – break even if, 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 I'm, if I'm 
correct. Is it break even? He he does the it's team great. totals. Yeah, he's he, up like thirty units or something. I, well, that's a great. That's a beautiful thing about baseball. Is there's so many ways to, uh, you know, to skin the cat, if you will. You know, and so I like your variety today. So you got the Twins in a run line laying. You said what is it? Minus one fifty four. You said it is minus one fifty four. Is what I got it at. I've seen it at minus one sixty, minus one sixty five. Which is even which is fine because I I have the true line at Minnesota plus one and a half minus one ninety so we're getting value up to probably one seventy if you got to lay more than that then I I get away from it. This is a, a non handicapping question, but that uh, that Seattle team is awfully interesting, aren't they? I mean they have a they have what appears to be a murderer's row of pitching of starting pitching in Felix. In Cliffley, Fister has been way above their expectations this year. Vargas has been way above their expectations. And yet, they cannot score. Uh, they play in a in a ballpark, much like in San Diego, where a lot of runs do, you know, no, very few runs get scored. You would think that their pitching would equate to, to wins, yet they don't have the formula quite like the Padres do, if we want to use that team as an equivalent. And you wonder a team like the, the Mariners, they're as capable of winning that division as they are being a team that ends up trading a player like Cliff Lee, you know, before the deadline. It's a fascinating team to watch. No, it, you know, and it's, it's an interesting team because, I mean, I think that a lot of people are talking about them, you know, being the division winners at the, I at was, the start of the year. I was and still am, actually. I still am. Well, you know, I've got good news for you, Gil, because I, I, one of the first teams I've done this five-year study of their, of their estimated runs is, is the Seattle Mariners. And I have them, and it's not great, but I have them at 4.27. But if you compare it to where they're at right now, which is at 3.6, I mean, they've got some improvement to, to go. So I think that this offense will actually start scoring at least a few runs, and that's pretty much all they need. That's, so, that's exactly um, right. I hope that's good news to you, that, that, that this 3.6 that they've done this year, yeah, I think it's closer to about a 4.3. Yeah, it's just one of those teams on paper where you're just like, it, it can't continue to be in the cellar of that division for much longer, and that's a division that's very much up in the air. I mean, listen, we're still talking, we're June 2nd here, for goodness sakes. By the way, June 2nd, I should say again, a, a happy belated once again to Dan Beebe, who uh, had his, I believe, 15th birthday yesterday on June, June 1st. Yeah, I think he turned 13, man. <laughs> and, I, and I say that with affection because, of course, he is the baby-faced assassin. Um, Dan and I have uh, become pretty good friends here in my brief time at pregame and I actually had the the pleasure of meeting Dan obviously in Vegas when I was there there is not a nicer human being on the face of planet earth and he's been a just a the most generous guy in the world to me and so I didn't say it on yesterday's podcast though I shouted him out you know in the pregame forums but I want to say on the podcast again a happy birthday to Dan because um you know no one works harder and no one uh, no one works harder, no one is sharper, and certainly no one is a nicer guy. So happy birthday to Dan, belatedly. Yeah, my, my, my sentiments exactly. Happy birthday, Dan, and uh, you're a lucky guy that you can look so young. That's right. He'll, he, he'll dream of these days 20 years from now. Or he'll still I look mean, this age, you know, who knows. Yeah, I mean, good for him. Yeah, I'm 40 and I look like I'm 50. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> funny. You go the opposite, but that's just your thing. No biggie. Yeah, that's funny. All right, so your four picks today, base winners' four picks, once again, are the over 
in the um, Tampa Bay-Toronto ball game tonight. Great pitching matchup between Price and Markham. The number's at 7.5. You like the over. You like the Angels' side against the Royals. That's Casimir over Davies. You like the under at Fenway Park between the A's and the Red Sox, Sheets and Dice K. And then closing it out, you got the run line on the Minnesota Twins, Slowey against Cliff Lee and the Mariners. The run line, plus one and a half for the Twins at minus 154. How'd I do? Perfect. I mean, just, I mean, you sound so, like, smooth when you recap the plays. You know, it makes me just want to listen to you, you talk all day, you know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just trying to make it clear to folks what you are going to be living and dying by today. And again, if we could figure out a way to like wrap up a camera in your, and not just you, but just there's certain people who I would love to watch them watch their plays. I think it's just, what a great network that would be. I think it'd be classic. I guess I think some guys get to get more emotional than others. And, and I, I'm one of those guys who just, I mean, certain things just piss me off. And, you know, my wife's like, who are you talking to out there, dude? <laughs> I remember I remember I was telling you off air. I remember earlier when I first got on to pregame and I was just posting free picks as I do every day. But I think we had the Yankees or something in a game where they were really affordable early in the year and they ended up winning easily. But I remember during the first inning, the Yankees went down one to nothing. And I remember somebody who was riding my pick just like, Oh, here we go, what another I'm like, Really, dude? It's it's the top it's the top of the first. Top of the first, one nothing, and, and you're you're the worst handy ever of all time. I love it. <laughs> it's just, you know, but I don't I don't even know if they were saying it that way. I just think they're just so reactionary, like you're saying. Oh, well, I see, I see they weren't they weren't trying to trying to put you down. They're no. just reactionary to the score. Yeah, yeah they just but it's so funny, it's like you gotta be a little calmer than that, you know. I don't get too fired up till the end of the game, and then then it's then it's just. I, sometimes I can't even watch it. Like, like I had to turn that. I had to turn that that Tampa Bay game off yesterday. It was it was just getting so bad. So yeah, and you can't. I mean, look, baseball. The nature of baseball, you can't be. You can't watch every pitch of every game. I mean, you got to walk away for stretches and and you know make yourself sane. Otherwise, you'll you'll never do anything with the rest of your life. Yeah, there goes there goes everything. I mean, it's like you know lock yourself into a cave. So, but yeah, there's there's definitely. I think that you make a pretty good point about watching people watch games. I think that'd be pretty, that'd be pretty interesting. Good network going there. And and I appreciate it again, me to you, base winner for for you uh, helping me out with the text during Sex in the City two last Friday night. I appreciate it because obviously my enjoyment level of the movie roller coastered up and down with where our position was in that game, and in the end we did lose by a run in a Detroit A's game. But that was very kind of you, and uh, I will not reveal your identity to my wife. How about that? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just just tell just tell give, just tell your wife that those that you had your play of the week and you went to Sex in the City and, and I mean that that's got to give you brownie points for at least a month. That's right. Damn it. <laughs> she she, she won't. I, that, I think that's incredible, personally, that you did that. But well, that's just my opinion. I had to. I know. Normally, I would never, you know. But you know, it was Friday night. I had not, you know. It, we're immersed in this stuff, you know. It's it's pregame twenty four seven, and so yeah. At some point, I had to sort of say, okay, I'll go to Sex in the City too. Which, by the way, if I may still hold my dude card after saying this, not the worst motion picture in the world, but uh, not the worst. Let me just put it that way. Not the worst. I wouldn't. Well, rec- I've always had a thing for Sarah Jessica Parker. I don't know, it's kind of a weird deal, but that's I don't. I thought she's kind of hot, actually. Really? Wow! Don't yeah, I do. That. I think she's got she's got like a killer body. I don't know, kind of a weird way. I, I think she's kind of sexy. Wow. Okay. Wow. 
have you broken down the saber metrics on her? And <laughs> I'm just saber metric study of all the all the actresses. That'd be uh, you know you could give them a you can evaluate them in certain certain aspects. You think Sarah Jessica will regress to the mean here at some point? She's been unlucky thus up to this up to this juncture. <laughs> Oh man, no! I tell you, he's lucky as the husband. I mean, that guy—I don't know—but good for him. He outpunted his coverage, is what you're saying, I guess. Absolutely, that's in my opinion. All right, base winner. I love doing this every Wednesday. Thanks for being here. And again, I, I count down the days till the next Wednesday, and I will be, as I, I'm sure everyone will, be following your thread—not only your daily thread, but also your base runs uh, thread that you post at the beginning of every series. I thank you, sir. Oh, you're, you're very welcome, Gil, and. And I'll be looking at your thread too, uh, with with, uh, with very, very you know interest, very good interest, high interest, and and you know I, I mean I kind of live and die with you, so you know good luck. Hope this week shakes out real well for both of us. I appreciate it. Base winner on the betting dork show again. All things betting dork are at bettingdork.com. So I'd love for you to uh, click on there and check it out. Gil Alexander, you're betting dork. Thanks so much for listening. Marco tomorrow with talk on the Belmont Stakes, third leg of the Triple Crown. Talk to you then. It's-